Previously on Searching for Ghosts. I'm doing a podcast on the um, disappearance of Casey Lindley Daniel. I was wondering if there was someone who could talk to me. He told me that, uh, you know, the original report of the day of, which is where I'm going to start. Okay, so that's right. right. But they're going to have to dig it out. Uh, I went to Milan PD for any reports that were available on this case so that I could have a fact-based foundation on which to build this podcast. I went to them before anyone else. I wanted to have an open dialogue with them. That way we could reduce the amount of toes getting stepped on. Technically, this has never been what you would classify as, as a cold case. It's never been reopened as far as my police department's concerned. It's never been closed. We have always followed up on leads. We don't always advertise. We don't tell everything we do for obvious reasons. We don't want to jeopardize. If we do find evidence or uh, no probable cause to make an arrest in case of disappearance. The things that we say or release, the media can't affect that prosecution if it comes to that at some point. That's why sometimes when people ask us a lot of questions, there's just certain things that we cannot tell people because it could affect the outcome of the investigation. I've had an open records request document for months, but I haven't filed it yet. In the Tara Grinstead case in Osceola, Georgia, podcaster Payne Lindsay from Up and Vanished talked at great length about trying to get official records. He even talked about some blowback that anyone who files one of these might receive. But he eventually filed one, only to learn that Georgia law is very much on the side of keeping police records sealed. He got nothing, but every state is different, and this is Tennessee. So I wanted to see what we were facing here in the volunteer state before I filed one. I reached out to my music attorney friend, Sarah Ruth Schuberth in Nashville to see if she can make sense of this. Sarah was featured in an episode of my music podcast, Left of Nashville, where she explained last year's DOJ ruling concerning songwriters. Sarah knows her stuff when it comes to legal matters, but she also has heart and a knack for explaining this sort of thing in a way that we can all understand. Although this is not her area of expertise, she knows how to research and make sense of the legalese. And plus, 
Sarah is a fan of the podcast. She is a listener. She gives her legal opinion here as it pertains to Casey specifically. I didn't want just general facts from a lawyer who doesn't even know Casey's name. Sarah really cares, and you can hear it in her voice. You can find Sarah on Facebook as Music Law Chick. I'll link it up in the show notes. I'm Brandon Barnett. This is Sarah Schuberth, and this is Searching for Ghosts. Pretty much um, the outcome of that case 
a lot of it was the victim intervened and the victim did not want her information to be released to the public because I believe she had been raped um, and she was, you know, wanting that to stay private. So right. this is an, an interesting case because this is not involving a cold case. This is not involving a murder. This is just involving a, a rape and they wanted to get access to the file. So um, another possibility that could get you access to case files um, is if there is anyone ever charged in this case Anything that is available to the defense attorney can also be released to the public upon request. I'm like, you know, to the media and things like that. So, right. you know, there's a lot of speculation as to whom was involved, but what we don't know is if any grand jury indictment was ever brought on or somebody was ever actually accused or formally um, investigated as to where they would need to get a defense attorney or something like that. Right. That's the biggest what if in this case. Um, and then we go down to um, exemptions to the public record release. So when you're dealing with child protective services, the parent of the victim of the alleged child abuse does have a right to access those records. Um, the person is subject to confidentiality, meaning that, you know, if Cindy was to get access to the records, she would not be able to disclose them. However, if in the letter it was indicating that Cindy was her abuser, she would not be given access to those records. So that's the other exemption to the exemption. Oh. <laughs> um, I know, right? <laughs> okay, so the other uh, possibility is Cindy or whomever, maybe a family member, um, could possibly sue the government, sue the Milan Police Department, sue the Milan Metropolitan Government um, for access to the records under the um, TPRA. However, they're going to claim as an exemption, but if they rule against her, that gives her a right to appeal and possibly get it back up to the Supreme Court because this is such a difference in case. This is not a victim that was coming forward not wanting her information released. This is um, a mother, you know, a parent, a family member, whomever, wanting access to these records. Um, so if she was possibly bring a lawsuit, it may do several things. It may just bring public awareness about this. Um, it could incite some kind of change in the legislation or um, incite some of these other coalitions. So there's the National Freedom of Info Coalition, the NSOIC, and they have a website. There's another one called the Murder Accountability Project. So it's an online database for just for cold cases specifically. And it was only founded in 2015 by a man named Tom Cargrill. And you'd be surprised at the amount of people and the amount of coalitions that are out there to um, really bring, want to bring change to this issue, um, including a family in, where is it at? Kentucky. There's a family in Kentucky. Um, their child has been missing for approximately 25 years. And it's um, there's a parent of Randy Leach. Randy Leach, I believe it is. Yes, Randy Leach here is in Kansas. Yeah, Randy Leach in Kansas. Um, that it actually came down to a vote in the House um, as to whether cold case files that are 25, 15 to 25 or more years old um, could be released to the public. Because a, um, you know, I know that they want to keep the investigation private, but there comes a certain time where it, it, it's no longer the purpose of it. You know, I mean, I know that they can redact information, they can redact names, they can redact. Um, social security numbers, health records, they can redact addresses and things like that for personal identifiers, but 
there comes a point where they have, can only do so much. And the Milan Police Department, it, it, it just hasn't gone anywhere. And there are so many resources that they could tap into for people across the entire country that would be willing. There are nonprofits available that, you know, get government grants, they get private funding to help solve cold cases. Because if you really think about all this, we don't know exactly what happened to her, but, you know, it's been so long that we can only speculate that she was murdered or something happened to her when her life was ended. Right. And essentially, somebody out there has gotten away with murder. They have gotten away with murder. Yeah. Whether they're in jail, whether they died, whatever it is, whether they're still walking around the streets, possibly due to other people, there needs to come a time where that person is brought to justice. And, and not only that, I mean, taking from experience, I mean, my mom and sister were killed in a car accident, and we were haunted for so many years by the details. I didn't know exactly what happened. I wanted to know the conditions of the road, who was responsible, was it, did, did a tire blow out? Did something happen? Like, little details like that have, have haunted me. I don't know, you know, again, I see and I hear the pain in her aunt voice and the people that have been on the podcast. They want to know what happened to her. I mean, people think of this objectively, but I've been through this kind of thing. And if you think about your own child or your own family member, your own friend, people talking about her being chopped up, thrown in a river, being buried under a bridge, being in cement. I mean, that kind of stuff is very traumatic. Yeah. And you never really forget it. So at the very least, the family and the friends, they need to know some kind of information. I mean, any information is better than none. And so if you can eliminate some of these horrific things that have been rumored to go on with Casey, that it's bringing some type of justice to them at least right. and so we know that the FBI was temporarily involved in the case but supposedly she had not crossed state lines therefore they I believe have closed the case so that leaves the question of the Freedom Information Act outside of the state of Tennessee now we're under federal law because it's the Federal Bureau of Investigation so I looked at the results online um, and unfortunately this is too old and the record is not available online but you might be able to submit an FOIA request, and that may be able to get you some information on the closed file. Um, I don't know what kind of exemptions they have as to where any information in Tennessee from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation or the police um, would prevent us from looking at those records. But again, I know that the, the FBI files, if they don't fall under any other exemptions, they are able to be accessed under the Freedom of Information Act. And you might even be able to get just one little piece of information out of there, um, and that I think it would be worth it, worth looking into. And again, I looked at the um, findthemissing.org. She has an NCMEC number, which is 822496. Um, it says the case number in there, the NAMUSMP number is 6379. And it lists the current investigators as Bobby Sellers, Tim Wright, and Adam Martin. So going further into this, so it says that accident reports are generally open under 5510-108. Um, then there's another thing regarding victims' rights, but again, I don't think that's applicable in this case because, it, you know, she's obviously not here to assess that right. right. Um, it says presumably police blotters are open. Another thing is I'm not sure if there were any 911 cases, um, any calls in, but those are presumably open as well. Um, that you should be able to access 911 tape. Um, it says here to see the Attorney General Opinion 
1-800-273-8565 from November 29th of 93. And let's see here. Investigatory records are closed under the Tennessee Rule of Criminal Procedure 16. Um, so again, that's another one of those exemptions as to where um, investigatory records are inaccessible. So you have all these exceptions, like, oh yeah, you can get the 901 case, you can get an accident report, you might be able to get arrest records. However, if any of those are contained in an active investigative file, you're not able to have access to them. Yeah. So, um, we also have in here confessions, mugshots, confidential informant records describing police techniques. Um, those are presumably open as well. So if something's not contained as part of the investigative file, um, like you might have access to some of that stuff. But again, I, I think that you're just almost running into a, a brick wall here and it seems like the only real way to get access to these records is if A, someone is officially charged with the crime and they're going to have to go to court for it or they're indicted. And so, again, anything that would be available to the defense attorney would be available to the public. B is if um, Samir or someone in her family um, went out and filed a lawsuit. Mm. You know, negligent infliction of emotional distress, possibly. Uh, you know, something like that. Again, it's, it's far-fetched because there's such a narrow possibility of getting access to those records. But again, this is not, that, that particular instance might just be for her to get access to them. I mean, even if the police just let her or some of her family members come in, take a look at the files, and they can have some kind of confidentiality agreement where they're not going to, you know, disseminate it to the public, but it just gives them some kind of private um, peace, peace of mind that there is some instance that has not happened. And then we can wait until things come into the public domain for everyone else to find out. Um, and then again, the, the third option is for legislation to change. If, if files are X amount of years old and they've fallen into a cold case and the police have really run into a brick wall and they don't know where else to go, why not ask for the public's help? Why not have access to resources that they don't have access to in a small town? Or, you know, it's not to say that they're not doing their job. It's just to say that at a certain point we all need to ask for help. Yeah. And I think it's come to that point. I mean, 21 years is a very long time. So, again, if it's not for, you know, the, the public to, you know, to be at peace with this or a town to be at peace with this, they've been living with this nightmare for a long time, to put some of these horrible allegations to rest, to give some kind of peace of mind to her family, and to catch a murderer, ultimately. Yeah. Someone that got away with murder. And so I think that, you know, moving forward, those are the legal options anyway that I think someone can take. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know what, you know, Simi's going to do, but again, like going back to her, I mean, she's lived, I don't know what happened. I'm not saying one way or the other, but if she has no involvement in this whatsoever, I mean, I feel like she's got a real claim here. I mean, if they could have exonerated her name and they have it, she might have some kind of claim for Yeah. And I hope that her mom, I hope that her mom does 
come out and say something. I mean, she doesn't have to come out and give any specific details. If she comes out and just shows the public that she's still very vested in finding out, you know, and she doesn't owe that to the public, but it, you know, it, it may give her more peace of mind than she thinks. Yeah. And we can see, and then we can sense her voice. We can, we can, you know, all kind of make assumptions, you know, what we will, but um, you can tell by a person's demeanor kind of what they're feeling on the inside and, and who knows what, what way that will go. But either way, I just, I'm hoping that something will come about from this, but I just legally, really, Tennessee is so strict so strict of the 